What's up everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 181 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell on a 34 degree, way too hot summer's day. Now that the rain has finally stopped, I attempted to get some work done today and uh, called it a day early because it's way too hot. How are you going, Alex? Oh, it's been the same for me my whole week. I'm working by myself this week mm-hmm. and I've had I've never had more appointments before in my life and everyone's adamant they want to stay in the shed to look at cars. And it's if it's thirty four outside, it's probably forty in the shed. Yeah, and uh, uh, smash me, smash me. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, I've also had the kids home sick all week, so it's been a very unproductive week. But that's all good. We will be productive on this week's show, though, because we have plenty of things to go through. So. Um, as some of you might be aware, maybe a lot of you aren't, the World Economic Forum met, had their annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland this year, uh, this week, sorry, I should say. So we'll cover some things from that. Um, we are also going to cover some very interesting news on the diversity, equity and inclusion front out of the United States. Again, it's another subject which we don't really speak that much about in Australia, but Alex and I always pay attention to what happens in the United States because all everything that we do over here is a flow-on effect from what they do over there. So it's definitely worth paying attention to. But Alex, is there anything that you want to start off with today? Yeah, an apology. For Honey Dick and the, the Punters again? <laughs> no, no, that's coming. The announcement is coming. We, right. just, we just had a little look, didn't we? And it looks good. Mm-hmm. But I'm just waiting on the word from the developers to say that it's done. Yeah. They're running behind schedule. Some of it's their fault. Some of it's my fault. Mm-hmm. So, but we're getting there. It's definitely, definitely, definitely coming. Cool. <laughs> so my apology is for the claim I made about the blind chick from the Amy insurance <laughs> ad. Right. <clears throat> now, I'm going to defend myself somewhat. Okay, so it turns out so my gripe, for those who didn't hear, welcome, like and subscribe. I think we lost that follower too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, so it's probably because of this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I, I was upset that Amy was trying to push the diversity of disabled people. Mm-hmm. But, and what made me upset was that they showed a blind lady at the end of the ad and i was like well no you should give her a talking bit so that blind people can appreciate hearing a blind person yeah now it turns out that there's another ad campaign that's coming after that talks about who's the amazing aussie tennis player that in the wheelchair uh dylan olcott he's the one heading up this program to try and get more more of these people on on the TV. Mm-hmm. So he said, like, they represent 10% of the Australian community, so there should be 10% representation. Cool, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, they... Uh, apparently, she sung the jingle. Right. Now, the, the problem for me is that... If you're a blind person, you wouldn't know that. How would you know that? She didn't... She, now, am I going to sound... Am I just going to... I'm going to fuck myself on this. Because <laughs> if they showed her singing... Yep. Is it not the same as, like, have I just twisted myself up? Am I in the wrong here? Because blind people aren't going to know that she was singing. Or would they announce it, hey, this is blind Amy, 
Bust out a song, Blind Amy. <laughs> Is that what should have happened? <clears throat> Look, I, I don't know. I you know what? You know what? My biggest gripe about the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and this is good because this is going to segue us into our first story, but my my whole gripe is, yes, I believe that different groups should see themselves represented in our media space. I agree with that. But I completely agree with Dylan Olcott's position, which is that you should be represented based on how like what percentage of you are there actually are in the population so he said there are 10 percent of people in australia who are handicapped so i want to see 10 percent handicapped people represented in media cool i get it there's a story that came out of um the u.s because obviously um the diversity equity inclusion space is all being run under esg so the economic social and governance scores which are being pushed through by um, primarily BlackRock and their CEO, Larry Fink. Larry Fink has basically come out and said, we need to change the way our customers behave and they are forcing these things on the companies that they invest in and that's basically permeating throughout the rest of the market. Mm. But because of that, they've got all of these quotas now. So the the meritocracy has been removed. So what is a meritocracy? A meritocracy is whoever is the best person or the best candidate gets the job. That's been removed. And now we've got quotas, whether it's gender, race, um, sexual proclivities, disability, whatever those quotas might be. And those are being forced on companies. So in other words, there's absolutely no way to say that you can enforce those uh, quotas without a drop in overall standards. Because if you were able to enforce those quotas while simultaneously hiring the best applicants for each position, you would have already been doing that anyway. Like in a capitalist society, you would have naturally hired those people because they're the best. So there's no way you can, you can claim that by enforcing these quotas, you are going to have the same standards in your organization. That's what my first issue. The second thing is this. Uh, do you know what percentage of the United States population are white? 65%. It's about 60%. Yeah. Do you know what percentage of white people the top 100 companies in America on the, on the stock exchange, what percentage of white people they hired last year? Zero percent. Six percent. So here's the thing, right? So um, Vivek Ramaswamy just said this recently. Reverse racism is racism. It's all yeah. racism, right? If you're hiring yeah. people or not hiring people purely because of the color of their skin, it doesn't matter if you think you're a good person because you're hiring someone that you see as a vic- like from a victim group. You're being a racist. You're not hiring the best person for the job. You're hiring someone because you're getting some other benefit out of hiring that person other than just getting the best person for the job. Was it Microsoft? Did Microsoft get called out recently because they basically had the boss of Microsoft telling the managers via Zoom yeah, it's yeah. It was. Not about it's not about how good they are. It's about uh, equity number, uh, equity numbers. Yes, and so literally, and if you don't do it, you you're not going to get your bonus. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so this is this is the issue. Is uh, this again is just one step towards communism? 
Because as we discussed on the show last week, what does communism do? Communism punishes ambition. It, it stamps ambition out. So in other words, if you are, just happen to be a white person who has been very well educated, who has done all the hard work to be the best applicant for a job, and you get passed over for someone who, whether they're black or gay or whatever those other cause may be, and you can clearly see that they are not as good as you, and that happens multiple times, where is the incentive for the next generation of white kids coming through to try hard? So this is the issue. All, all the white people at the moment, and yeah, yeah, they'll probably end up finding the jobs. other side too. It's it's like if you know that you're not as good as your peers, and yet you get it, and everyone knows it, that hurts too. Well, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So imposter syndrome is a real thing. Like people who know that they are not, like they, they feel like they don't belong or they don't deserve what they've gotten. So yeah. So look, it, it's. It is a step in the wrong direction. It's a step towards communism. Uh, but just all in all, it is anti-human like we keep talking about. We are pro-human. We are team human. And diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's one of those things which sounds nice. It sounds like the right thing to do. But it's actually the polar opposite of what you should be doing. You should be encouraging people to work hard, get educated, do the best they possibly can, and give those people the rewards. Um, so this then bleeds us into our next, our first story. So I want you to bring up the story um, about the FAA, if you can, please, sir. <clears throat> so if you can just actually click that article. So Elon Musk, uh, he posted this the other day, but um, so this is from the, the New York Post, and it's titled, FAA's diversity push includes focus on hiring people with, in quotes, severe intellectual and psych- uh, psychiatric disabilities. So scroll down. The so are they going to get the chick, you know, the, the, the chick that went crazy and she's like, that motherfucker is not real. I hope so. She's going to be a pilot. Congratulations. She should be. Yeah. So this is, so the FAA is the Federal Aviation Administration. So this is in the United States. Uh, is actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities, psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions under a diversity and inclusion hiring initiative spelled out on the agency's website. I don't know how they're going to convince all the car salespeople to go there. <laughs> uh, in quotes, targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring, the FAA's website states. They include hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. The initiative is part of the FAA's diversity and inclusion hiring plan, which claims diversity is integral to achieving the FAA's mission of ensuring safe and efficient travel across our nation and beyond. So safe and efficient is the new safe and effective. We, we don't... Uh, so, actually, no, we, we should read a little bit more. I'm just going to skip down to this bit. So, all eyes have been on the FAA and airline industry in recent days after a plug door on a Boeing 737 MAX 9 blew out during an Alaska Airlines flight on the 5th of January. The FAA added it would increase its oversight of Boeing following the incident, including auditing Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliner production line and companies that supply parts to the airline manufacturer. The following- problem is that the oversight guy was a blind dwarf the, it so was the chick not, who sung the amy song he had no sight and also was not over he was under <laughs> 
Following the incident, social media commenters and public figures have charged that airlines and airline manufacturers' emphasis on diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives have made flying less safe. In quotes, do you want to fly in an airplane where they prioritise DEI hiring over your safety? Tech billionaire Elon Musk wrote on X last week. That is actually happening. So we don't have to continue anymore. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. But it's like that next level step. So not only can you clearly see that they are not hiring the best and brightest. And like, let's be real. How many people can fly on an airplane at a time? Commercial airliner. Two, three hundred people? Yeah. So you were putting two to three hundred people's lives. Sorry. Two to three hundred people's lives in jeopardy every single flight just because you've got this DEI push where you want to hire people with severe psychiatric and intellectual disabilities. I did see a funny meme that, so apparently it's a racial stereotype, which I didn't know, that black people, American, like uh, African-Americans, don't like changing the batteries in smoke alarms. So <laughs> you know when you get that warning beep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently they just leave it going forever. Right. But, and then there was this, this meme that had two black ladies in the cockpit like, what's all that beeping? <laughs> now, I, I did send you a, a small clip that I'd like to play after this. So back in the golden age of the 1990s, and sorry about it, I'm just using my sweat towel as we go. The 90s was one of the golden ages for film. And one of the gems from the 90s is a movie, that, a movie that a lot of our viewers will probably remember called There's Something About Mary. My real passion is my hobby. Really? What's that? I work with retail. Oh, <laughs> it cut off on the punchline. Really? What's that? It does not like this. We wow. are being DDoSed right now. I work with retards. Well, thank you, Internet, for stamping all over the punchline. Um, but there's an interesting point that comes out of, out of that movie clip as well. This is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that in the last 20 years, we have um, lowered the bar so low on what you're allowed to make jokes about that as a society, now we are accepting absolutely ludicrous ideas such as hiring pilots on the basis of what skin color they are what their sexual preference is and what their particular mental handicap might be now i I, so i agree with you because this to me is that's it is a wild uh it is that's wild to me Mm -hmm. the comedy thing though i find interesting so i think people are finding out that it's not paying not to make those jokes because right. the comedians, including the new comedians that I'm watching, are getting like uh, a wilder than ever. Mm. You know, you get Mark Norman is like one of the biggest comics on the planet right now, mm-hmm. and his his chick is all that stuff, is all yeah. the old stuff. Yeah, you got Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer doing these massive tours, bigger than ever. Like all the really, really, really got the guys that are getting a lot of cut through uh, are bringing comedy back. Yeah. And people are loving it. Can I, can I talk sports for a second? You try. Because there's a really good uh, example of this in the sporting realm, which is the is UFC. That the, is that that soccer game that I sent you with the big fat guys versus the dwarfs in soccer? No, it's not. But that was oh. an entertaining clip. Um, <clears throat> the UFC, there's a lot of interesting things about the UFC. Uh, so the UFC being the ultimate fighting championship. So it's mixed martial arts, the biggest organization of mixed martial arts in the world. Now, I'm a big fan of MMA, but more specifically the UFC because of its president, Dana White. 
because Dana White is probably the epitome of a capitalist. He he says all the time, so with, with all this diversity, equity, inclusion, and all, all that sort of stuff, he has had so much criticism, and he's the figurehead of the company, right? Like, he addresses everything himself personally. He doesn't have spokespeople or whatever. It is all him. And over the last few years, he's copped so much grief because of whether it's um, a fighter dropped an F-bomb in his post-fight interview. And then all these reporters, all they wanted to ask him was about how this bigot said the F-word, as in the gay F-word, which I'm not mm. going to say, so I don't get censored online. Mm. Um, and he just said, this is the fight business. We pay people to watch them hurt each other for a living. Like, I don't give a fuck what these people say. And think back to the pandemic. The UFC was the first major sporting organization to get going during the pandemic. Uh, the UFC did not mandate any of their fighters take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So other leagues, i.e. the NBA and the NFL, they mandate it now, whether or not the clubs actually followed it. Yeah. Is, is a whole nother thing when you're talking about $50 million a year super athletes. You know, I'm sure that some of them got, got around the... the uh, the restrictions but there was a story that came out this week too about um the uh, golden state warriors because one of their players during the pandemic andrew wiggins he publicly stated he didn't want to take the vaccine his team forced him to take the vaccine otherwise they're going to tear up his contract one of their assistant coaches died this week on the court in front of everyone had a heart attack holy shit yeah now look could just be a coincidence, right? Lots of coincidences going on around the world at the moment. But mm. imagine being Andrew Wiggins, who was forced to take this thing against his will, and publicly so, and now see all the things online about all the heart issues and everything that, that people are experiencing, having one of his assistant coaches die right in front of him. And, you know, like... But the UFC didn't do any of that stuff. Now, what you were saying about comedy is applying, I believe, to the rest of the world. People are rejecting these things en masse. So look at Disney. Disney's stock has tanked uh, because of all of the woke content. So we covered on the show a little while ago, Disney came out and said that our content is alienating our customer base, so we're going in a different content direction. So, so they've, they've moved. Um, the NBA lost a huge amount of viewers in the last two years because they became activists, not a sporting organization. Yeah. So when Black Lives Matter was a big thing, they were massive into Black Lives Matter. I don't know if you remember it because you're not really a, a sports guy, but um, they were selling Black Lives Matter jerseys. Like the players were wearing jerseys with Black Lives Matter slogans on the back of them. Now, it turns out that Black Lives Matter itself was actually a fraudulent uh, uh, company set up to steal money from people. And it has already gone bankrupt after all of the, uh, the people running that company have gone and bought, bought themselves $6 million houses. So they lost a lot of their viewership. The UFC's viewership, on the other hand, keeps continuing to increase. Now, another thing that came out this week, and I didn't br uh, bring a clip up because most people probably won't care, but the UFC's middleweight champion is a guy named Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland is as redneck as they come. Like, white trash American as they come. But he, he calls it how he sees it. And they've currently got him headlining the card. Now, uh, when this drops on Monday, he will have fought the day before. Um, he's headlining a card in Canada. Now, everyone knows that Canada is one of the wokest countries on the planet, right? And you've could, got I, could I just add an interesting side note to your Canada story? Sure. I just met with a, can a Canadian friend oh, you did? Yeah, who's yeah. been living there. And he said 
you hear nothing bad about Canada from within Canada. Nothing. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why is because you can't get news on social media anymore. What's up with your camera? I don't know. Is it okay? It seems to be okay on my end. Is it okay on your end? Fuzzy as. Yeah, okay. Oh, people anyway, shouldn't on. shouldn't have to see my face anyway. Um, so he, so we all know that Can, Canberra, uh, Canberra, Canada is like the liberal capital of the Western world at the moment. And all of these Canadian reporters, instead of asking him about the fight, they wanted to ask him about comments he'd made about like the LGBTQ community and all that sort of stuff. And he just ripped these guys yeah, to yeah, shreds. Yeah, I saw that. I Absolutely saw that. ripped them to shreds. Now, here's the thing. in With the way that society, or let, let's call it the matrix, right? Because I've... I've talk all the time about how there's two different worlds we live in there's the natural order of things and then there's the matrix which is the societal structure we have we put around ourselves where everyone tries to play by an agreed upon set of rules even though they know that those rules don't make sense sean strickland should never he should not be a popular figure at the moment he never should have risen to the prominence he has in the last two years in particular because we've reached like peak woke in the world but he has like his instagram followers have gone through the roof um he's showing up like he's used in all of the ufc's promo stuff and look i get it he is the kind of guy that like if you're into fighters you're probably like that alpha male like you know no it's more than that it's more and this is what i think it is and it's the same with comedy there is a, like, okay, let's, let's call the Matrix. So the Matrix is saying, um, these are the things you're not allowed to talk about and we're going we're gonna to chase you down for the, for the views, the naughty words that you say. Yep. And the, the majority in the middle, that the, the most important centrists, yeah. are done with it now. The silent majority. Yeah, the silent right. majority. They're not going to talk about it, but they are acting. So they're going to they're gonna buy tickets to these comedy shows yep they, like it's okay it's so wild some of the most racist jokes you've ever heard are in this seas of all different shapes colors creeds yeah right and they're all having a good time yeah right but um you don't you just don't hear it you just don't hear it so mm. i'm not surprised that strickland gets he's saying what most people are thinking that's right that's right. And the good thing about people like him is that it gives some of those silent majority license to go, maybe I'm not the minority. Maybe I can speak my truth and totally. tell the people around me what I really think. And I think that that's really, really important. And I think that we will see that more and more over the next couple of years. I think the woke stuff has peaked. I don't see it getting worse from here. And because I really do think that where they went horribly wrong is when they started messing with people's kids. Yeah. And for a lot of people, like for, for consenting adults, you can play dress up, play make-believe as much as you want, and oh. we'll humour you because there's plenty of people that play other sorts of dress up in society every single day anyway. You know, what does it matter if you want to switch genders? Who gives a shit? But as yeah. soon as they started messing with people's kids, that's when I think they, they crossed that line, which people will get natural pushback from. I think it was not just that. I think, and I've heard it a bunch, and especially on... I consume a lot of digital media mm-hmm. and I had conversations with people saying that like we weren't represented in any of these programs anymore. Mm. So where's the, like we're, we're paying to see content. Yeah. Yet it, it's not made for us anymore. Which look, which is fine, but the market that you're going to make it to is so small. 
that you're not going to make any money. And that's what Disney's exactly what happened with Disney, and it's exactly what happened with Netflix as well. Like, it's, it wasn't a coincidence that Netflix had to change the rules for people to stop sharing accounts. It's because their content was alienating so many users, they had to force the people they knew were already watching to pay for their accounts because they weren't making any money anymore. So, look, this is a, this is a very real thing. I think we have hit peak woke. I think that um, it will start to simmer down a little bit and we will get back to a little bit of normalization. But this does bring us through to the next segment, which is about the World Economic Forum. So for any of you who aren't uh, aware of who the World Economic Forum are, essentially they're an organization that was founded back in the, what was it, 60s or 70s, 60s, yeah. I think? 60s. It's a long, long time ago. And they're headed up by a guy named Klaus Schwab, who has the thickest German accent in the world, who not only looks, uh, not only sounds like a villain in a 90s Bond movie, but actually dressed up can you can you bring up a photo of him dressed up in his little star trek getup? yeah so anyway while you while you bring that up and essentially what they are the elites of the world and they get together every single year in davos in switzerland they fly in and they basically overtake this entire ski resort to sort of pontificate and talk to each other about like this yeah okay perfect so that (laughs) That was an actual fashion decision that he chose himself. I'm not sure if this one's real. <laughs> I think that middle one might be uh, might be Photoshop, but that's Klaus Schwab. For any of those, any of you who don't, oh, he's aware of same him. same deal in grey. Crazy. So yeah, literally looks looks like a villain, talks like a villain, and behaves like a villain too. So he was the author of the the Great Reset, the book. So one of those things that early on was called a conspiracy theory for a long time was that there was a thing out there called the Great Reset and how essentially uh, globalist entities, so governments all colluding together with some shadowy figures behind closed doors, were essentially trying to create a globalist world where they control everything. The tagline was, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. And essentially they were trying to again it's sort of like global communism they wanted to remove private ownership of everything cars houses land etc uh everything was going to be by subscription so if you want access to something you would need to be subscribed to it and then the flow and effect from all of that stuff is everything that we've experienced over the last three years with covid and vaccine passports having rights removed etc 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 but so these guys met during the week can i just say they shouldn't matter. So this yeah. organization, so anyone should be able to meet to talk about anything at any time, anywhere, yes. right? I totally get that. But these guys are flat out lunatics and yet the most powerful people in the world attend and speak and are advocates for this organization and that's where it's a problem. Now, the thing that makes me wonder about all of that stuff too is we've been talking a lot recently about Jeffrey Epstein and his... Compromat organization. How many? I'm really makes me wonder how many of the people, the high ranking officials who do go to the WEF and subscribe to all of their views, are similarly compromised by something like a Jeffrey Epstein style yeah, uh, operation. Because realistically, everything that they are doing is it is completely compromised. And any like it's a sort of stuff that when you talk to people about it who've never really heard much about it and you tell them the things that they are doing they just think that you're crazy and it's a conspiracy theory but they're it's literally the doing it's the stonecutters from the simpsons yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah 
Um, but can you bring up the first clip? So the first clip I wanted to play, so that's Ursula von der Leyen. So just to give you a bit of pretext for this, I'll try to fix my camera up at the same time. So Ursula von der Leyen is the head of the European Union. And uh, here we go. Can you scroll down slightly? And we're just going to play the beginning of this. So there, there's a report. Um, this, you'll have to turn, turn the audio on when you press play. Um, yeah. There's a report that, uh, that the World Economic Forum puts out every single year where they detail what they believe are the top uh, challenges or threats that they'll be facing in the next five to ten years. And this speech, she starts out by outlining what they think is the number one threat or issue to them in the next five years. So if you could just hit play, please. Your um, annual global risk report makes for a stunning and sobering read. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate, shifts in our demography and in our technology, spiraling regional conflicts and intensified geopolitical competition and their impacts on supply chains. The sobering reality is that we are once again competing more intensely across countries than we have in several decades. And this makes the theme of this year's Davos meeting even more relevant, rebuilding trust. This is not a time for conflicts or polarization. This is a time to build trust. Right, can you just this is a time... So we don't have to listen to a whole speech, but that's the main point that I wanted to share with you guys from the World Economic Forum. And my camera is doing this. Stupid I thing. think your camera's too close. Uh, no, it's been it's been playing up. One of the kids play with it, and I think maybe one of the wives is loose, but it's alright. I'm um, being a bit, bit fuzzy is totally fine. Um, so that that do you not find that interesting? So in a in a global climate where we have had a apparently once in a one hundred year pandemic, we have a massive excess death rate all over the world at the moment in highly vaccinated countries. You've got global conflicts which have started up in... So you've still got Russia, Ukraine going. You've got Israel, uh, Hamas going. You've got the US starting to get involved with uh, with the Houthis. Well, we're dropping bombs in Yemen. Yep. So Iran's just dropped bombs on Pakistan. Yeah, so they're saying... America's about to go war with Iran. Yeah, so regardless of all of those things, their number one concern is mis- and disinformation. It's now, you hearing about it. That's what it is. Yeah. Now... I just want to remind all of you one of the things that the the scandals that Ursula von der Leyen is was embroiled in and still has not been resolved, which is the original purchase agreement between the European Union and Pfizer for their vaccines, which Ursula von der Leyen uh, negotiated with Albert Borla on behalf of the entire European Union 
by text message which has never been released to the public mm. so there's been all of these calls to you know subpoena those text messages and have transparency and etc etc because i don't know how many billion euros were spent by the european union on those vaccines but the entire thing was negotiated just between ursula von der leyen and albert Borla in a completely untransparent way well what i find, found interesting about what she said is why did she why did she say the most important thing for the next two years like why was two years the marker well it's nice of you to bring that up because one of the th- reasons that i think that might be is because 2024 is the year of elections yeah so I- well hold on no before you get to that i don't I'm, I'm not sure it is that. I reckon if you dug deeper, how long is she in power for? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that really matters, to be honest. But it, no, is she saying it because, like, for example, she might know full well that her texts are coming out. So what she wants to go and do and uh, Potentially. what she wants to set up is to say, hey, anything you see on the internet is fake. Yeah, yeah. Come to us for the information. Oh, by the way, there's, yeah, those text messages malinformation yeah look you could be right i would also suggest too that with the amount of elections that will be taking place in 2024 you gotta you gotta think a lot of those people who are up for election this year attend davos and are on board with what the world economic forum is doing and if they get removed from their positions of power well the wef loses their influence in those countries yeah. Um, can you just bring up, so I got Alex to search before the show on Bard, how many elections there are globally in democratic nations uh, in 2024. Uh, that was the wrong one. No, that's what you're going to show oh, yeah, Bard sorry. first. Sorry, yeah. So we searched on Google Bard and Google Bard's only response was this. Oh, so the question was, how many elections are being held by democratic countries this year? And Bard replied by saying, elections are a complex topic with fast-changing information. To make sure you have the latest and most accurate information, try Google search. So two things. Number one, that doesn't actually answer the question literally at all. Number two, whenever we try to search for something pertinent during COVID, that thing about fast-changing information would come up and it would not give you any search results. So in other words, while Google was trying to get on the phone to all of the key stakeholders involved in whatever scandal it was they were trying to cover up and get their story straight, they would just put up this bullshit saying, oh, the information on that topic is fast changing. And to have most accurate and up-to-date information, please check back later. I'm asking Google now on my phone. Okay, so he's asking Google. So in the meantime, we went to ChatGPT and asked them, how many elections are being held by democratic countries this year? And ChatGPT replied this, In 2024, a significant number of democratic countries around the world are holding elections. These include Pakistan, Taiwan, Turkey, Indonesia, India, South Africa, Mexico, European Union. So European Union, I wonder if that is Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah. So numerous European countries. Various national and local elections in countries like Austria, Belarus, Belgium, Bosnia and Herzegovina Croatia, Finland, Georgia, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Lithuania, Malta, Moldova, North Macedonia, Portugal, Poland, Romania, Russia, San Marino, Slovakia, Spain, and the United Kingdom, Australia, uh, and other Oceanian countries. So general elections in the Northern Territory, Australian, uh, the ACT in Queensland, as well as general elections in Palau, the Solomon Islands, and Tuvalu. 
the list includes major elections, but there are more likely, uh, likely more elections scheduled in other democratic countries as well. So in other words, this is one of the most the election heavy years ever. Literally ever. So the fate of the world and of the World Economic Forum really rests on the results of, of a lot of these elections this year. I think that's one of the key reasons why they are so concerned about mis- and disinformation. Because the WEF want to have their puppets in power in these countries. And we saw, particularly with the, uh, the last US election, we saw how online censorship helped Joe Biden get into the White House. Sure. We saw how controlling the Hunter Biden laptop story and pretending it was a Russian misinformation campaign assisted Joe Biden getting into the White House. They know it, we know it, and that's why hiding in complete plain sight, they're basically telling you, our plan for 2024 is to put more pressure on, on democratic countries, to put laws in place, to regulate social media companies so we can control the flow of information online. Totally, totally. And I, I actually think it's really about silencing Trump because he's going to win. I mean... Yeah. Uh, he he's have they only done two states no so i've only done iowa at the moment so the iowa caucus just wrapped and um there's actually a theory about this that adam curry said on no agenda which i find very very interesting um because so what the caucus is it's the um it's the republican primary votes so republican um, people who are registered republicans can vote on who they want their candidate to be for the election and Donald Trump won it in a landslide. He got 51% of the vote. Uh, Ron DeSantis was in second place with I think about 20%. I think Nikki Haley was third with about 19% and Vivek Ramaswamy was fourth with only about 7% of the vote. So following that, Vivek actually dropped out of the presidential race and I thought the way that he did that was was perfect. Absolutely. Um, yep, it's what DeSantis should do. It, absolutely. Um, Nikki Haley is apparently where all of the uh, Wall Street money has gone because they want her in the White House because she's basically an establishment character. Yeah. And she's a massive war hawk too. She loves going to war. She just yeah. wants to bomb people all over the world, which Wall Street would be much, like, very, yeah. very happy if, if she was able to do that. So... I would not be surprised if very shortly uh, Ron DeSantis ends up dropping out as well. This is what I think is happening. I, I think this is the calculation. I think Nikki Haley stays in until until she literally cannot win. Yep. I think Ron DeSantis is waiting around to see whether or not these court cases that are being held in February, which are going to dictate whether or not Trump can actually run on those ballots that he's been removed 90 from. court cases currently something like that but yeah. the, there's the two the two main cases which are the uh states that have removed him from the ballot which are being challenged i think ron DeSantis is waiting to see what the result of that is because if trump does get removed from the ballot which he won't which he won't but i think De DeSantis is basically thinking if he gets removed surely people will vote for me over nikki haley that's what yeah. I think the calculation yeah, is. Yeah, it is a strategy, but he is spending... Like, each state, I believe, that they're spending like $100 million each yeah. state to try and run. So it's, it is it is crazy. And look... It's That's why Vivek's smart. He's a businessman. He's like, dude, I'm not going to waste any more money. Well, like, I think he's angling for the vice president spot under Trump. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd like to see that. 
I'd like to see it too. And I think that's probably the right sort of blend. You've got a young guy, fresh, new ideas, who can give information to the old dog and then Don can make the decisions. And then it potentially sets it up that... It's funny, right? I remember prior to all of this stuff happening that what we spoke about probably 12 months ago is like Ron DeSantis shouldn't have tried to take on Trump because it should have been set up as a Trump-Ron DeSantis as a VP ticket. So then you secure the 2024 election and then you just line up DeSantis to secure the 2028 and, and on election. And now, all of a sudden, Vivek's probably slid into that seat for a lot of people. Yeah, I think DeSantis looks like a bit of a clown shoe. Yeah. Humble. He doesn't look strong. He, I think he's a great governor, but... I don't think he's a president. The the dumb thing about his strategy of wanting to be number one is he is the perfect vice president because he's a policy guy. Mm. Like, he is the perfect guy to go, I'm going to give Donald Trump the advice that he needs to make the correct decisions, like, from a policy perspective. He's not the big show person out the front guy. He's the policy wonk you want in the back room actually getting shit done, which is why Florida is having the success that it, that it has. Mm. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. So, um, yeah, so Vivek jumped out. So now you've got Trump versus DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Essentially, it's Trump's to lose unless he does get rubbed out by the, the high court, which I, I just cannot see that happening. But I think that's... Uh, what flicking back to... I wanted to show another clip from the web. Yeah. Now, there's going to be stacks of these clips coming. And you should really... Everyone should search for some of this stuff because it's wild. Like, one of the ones from the last... We've shown it on this... on on the show before but the lady saying oh we we tried to get vaccines in everyone's arm and we couldn't do it so we need and it's because people didn't feel enough pressure so we yeah. need to do something where you know something that's more um like more serious like water like we've got to do something around water yeah yep. crazy stuff like right? these are the plans that they have for you and and like just before you continue so bill gates is big into the WEF, and he um had a little little speech the other day too where he was talking about how they're going to get more vaccines out. Like, all he's talking about is vaccines now. And yeah. was even talking about doing new COVID vaccines, which are, you know, broader and they last longer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, it's... So, the, the reason why you need to pay attention to this stuff is these are the decision makers. So, these decision makers who, you know... One of, one of the big things they always talk about is climate change. Because climate yeah. change is just one of the greatest... It's, it's basically like ongoing lifelong COVID. It is the existential threat that they can use to justify the public's expenditure of money into new technologies that they themselves have invested in that will enrich themselves and be used to control us. And the perfect example of that is what's happened recently over in the United States. I don't know if you've heard about this, Alex, but I think it's in Texas at the moment. They've had a massive blizzard. And all the Tesla owners have realized that, number one, if your car was charged beforehand, uh, your mileage drops by like 40% in that weather. Number two, uh, all of the uh, charging stations are frozen over. You can't use them. Yeah. So now there's a whole bunch of people with cars they cannot use stuck in a blizzard. Paperweights. Yeah, very expensive paperweights. So, but that's one of the things which which the World Economic Forum has been saying for years, that we need to move everyone towards electric cars. And as Alex and I have said on the show before, why do they want everyone driving electric cars and why do they want to remove gas cooktops from every household? It's so they can turn the power off when you've been a naughty boy and your social credit score has dropped too low. 
Do you know that's already built in the te- into the Australian system? Of course it is. But like, so there's there's smart meters at everyone's power box. Yep. And there was an incentive years and years and years and years ago to say, hey, if you put this thing on, and we'll give you an eighty dollar rebate or something like that. Yeah. And what they can do is they can wind your power backwards and forwards mm. uh, when when there's needs for like when they want to. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't want that with the car. So let me show you this 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 clip. Developing through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. And I can tell you that Companies already have this. Commonwealth yeah. Bank already has that plugged in. You can go search for, search in your app, go to the help section, search for carbon tracking. Yep. Um, it'll it'll fire up a link, and all your data is right there. Yeah. It'll tell so, you how much, and it will tell you what that equivalent is in flights. So why would why would you want to have an individual carbon footprint tracker, Alex? So you can you can stop people from doing stuff. Exactly. It is literally a, co- a coercive control tool. And yeah. this is the irony of the World Economic Forum in these meetings in Davos. You have got a bunch of elites flying into a ski resort using their own private jets. Every single one of these people has a private jet. Climate czar John Kerry, as we famously showed on this uh, on the show before, <laughs> was quizzed about the private jet that he owns, even though he's the one telling everyone to stop using carbon because it's destroying the planet. And he testified in front of Congress saying he doesn't own a private jet. And then when they did a little bit more research, they found out that it's in his wife's name. So he never owned it. And he also sold it subs- like just before the next congressional hearing. So he doesn't have a private jet. I bet you has got shares in one. 100 percent but that's the thing these people are hypocrites but i don't care like this this bill gates said it bill gates said for all the good that i do i should be able to use the private jet yeah and i believe so yeah absolutely and as should anyone else exactly um and that's the thing so like what i said on the show a few weeks ago when they brought in the paris climate accords since then the amount of carbon emissions has increased it's gone up because the whole thing is net zero emissions, which gave the elites the opportunity to write off their carbon using carbon credits, which is just fake accounting bullshit. This is how I say it. The hint's in the name. Yeah. Net zero. If it wanted to be zero, they would call it zero. But they call it net zero. And net zero means on balance. And balance means, well, if we allocate a tax to a carbon captured here and spent there yep. then we can have net zero so there is a world where the more tax you pay the more carbon you can make but yeah. it's still net zero but it's also it's it's not even that world for the elites because the the best analogy for it now is the taxation system every single one of these giant corporations makes net zero income in australia mm-hmm. right amazon uh google apple, apple all of these these giant like Apple is a trillion dollar company now? No, three trillion. A three trillion dollar company. Yeah. They make net zero income in Australia, which means they don't have to pay Austra- uh, income tax in Australia. Now, 
how much money do you guys think those companies actually make? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen with the carbon credit system. They are going to be like, oh, we're carbon neutral. We're carbon neutral. How much carbon are they actually producing? Now, even worse than all of this stuff is human created carbon isn't doing shit to the atmosphere. It is just taking the focus away from all of the global challenges like pollution, microplastics, you know, cleaning all the trash out of the oceans, etc., and putting it on this one this one thing which fortunately for the elites is measurable that they can then turn into a individual carbon footprint so that you the end user can pay for all of the carbon that has been produced whilst maybe a product a steak that was you know grown in a in a um in a factory farm so all of the power that was used to grow that cow and then to slaughter it and then to transport it and then to have the electricity that was used to uh, keep it refrigerated at coals all of that will be calculated and then put onto you the end user in your carbon footprint let me put it uh, let, let me put it in a really clear way if you are and i've spoken to one of these people recently right <clears throat> if you are a believer right yep that human made carbon emissions are causing climate change yep okay so let's let's assume the role for a moment that's that's the way hey bob i need my phone for the show please you should be uh pretty upset that we've shown you this function whereby no carbon actually gets decreased that's right no carbon comes out of the system under the net zero model yes it's in the name yes all they are doing is allocating a price per kilogram of carbon which goes to someone else that's it and it's already been proven like you said the carbon is going up not down up so all the policies they've previously put in place they haven't moved the needle at all and all the policies they will put in place they're not going to move the needle either but it won't matter because everyone got rich yeah and the joke that i say all the time about net zero with with climate emissions is the only thing that you need to do to, to achieve net zero is to say you did. That's literally it because it's all based on accounting tricks and, and what you write down on paper. Totally. But the other thing too, okay, let's, let's look at what's happening in Australia at the moment, right? So I'm a gardener. I have, I've barely been able to work for the last few weeks because of all the rain that we've experienced. Torrential rain during an El Nino that we've been constantly talking about how either bad that prediction was or the fact that... You know, maybe this El Nino ain't that bad because it's literally rained probably 50% of the days since the end of September when they called it El Nino, which is completely unheard of for an El Nino. But what has happened? Fuck, the grass is growing fast. Everything's growing really quickly. So what what the climate alarmists don't tell you is that in the last 10 years, even with carbon emissions increasing during that period of time, 15% 15% more of the world is green now than was 10 years ago. Yeah. Because yeah, plant life plant yeah. life likes heat, sunlight, and carbon dioxide. It's plant food. Now, yeah. I was going to try to bring up a clip, but my wife has stolen my phone. I was going to try and send it to you. Um, there's a few famous clips that have gone around before of um, climate politicians or bureaucrats, I should be say more specifically, in the US, also in Australia, being quizzed on what percentage of the oh, atmosphere is yeah. made up 
as carbon dioxide. Do you know what it is? Yeah, 0.004%. That's right. Yeah. So there's this famous clip from America where all of the people who are in charge of putting forward this green revolution saying that carbon emissions is the single greatest threat to the existence of the human race and that we need to do all of these things to um, only increase global warming by 1.5 degrees every single one of them they asked there was like five people sitting at the panel and they said what percentage of the atmosphere is made up of carbon dioxide and their guesses were like for a start not one of them had a clue but they literally were guessing between five and eight percent so the people telling you that carbon's the problem guessed five to eight percent when the actual amount is 0.04 percent and there was another clip of another guy who that he's asking for he reckons it's going to cost seven trillion dollars a year to yeah. move the economy to to net to net zero yep and they asked him okay so if we move to net zero what will it change the temperature amanda by? can you bring my and phone back could please not answer oh it's hard oh, oh, oh okay so you want us to send spend seven trillion dollars per year and you don't know what it's even going to do. That's right. And the answer is, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Because it's bullshit. And like, look, I'm not a climate scientist. I'm a very simple person. And this this is probably going to sound like it's dead wrong and whatever. But how does how does rain get created, Alex? Do you know? Uh, it's evaporated off the ground. Yeah, so there's the, the so there's water that goes once, up into a cloud. Once water across. heats up too much, it goes up into the cloud. Once the density increases over critical mass, it it falls from the sky as rain. Does that yes. sound right? Yeah. Or planes fly over, drop seeds out the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Clouds, yeah. Yeah. So, hypothetically speaking, if you were to increase the uh, temperature of the globe by two degrees. So you might increase all of the the temperature of all of those things in the globe by two degrees. Is it not fair to say that maybe it would just result in more rain? Yeah, yeah, uh, potentially. Where I've been, okay. So I, I follow uh, um, Graham Hancock and the other one's better for it, Randall Carlson. Yep. And he goes through all like the world's history, right? Yep. And he said we should want global warming. What we should be terrified of is global cooling. Right. So when if we go into another ice age, that's that's really hard. Yeah. Seas recess, crops don't grow, sun doesn't shine as long. Yep. Right. That's a real problem. Global warming is makes mankind flourish. That's right. Because you can grow more food. Mm. And and this is this is the anti-humanist side of all of this climate agenda is. Literally, they are forcing um, austerity measures on us all to decrease our quality of life for no impact on the foreseeable future, but also that will potentially just have more negative outcomes for the environment. So an interesting thing, I don't even know how I tripped on this, but there are, you can access via Google. Amanda, I need my phone. local, there are... um, uh, Amanda. Yeah. Quality meters, AQI. If you if you if you search air, AQI near me, it will show you a bunch of air quality readouts. Now right. I live in Brisbane, right? Fifteen or ten minutes from the city, and all the sensors in my area all the time are excellent. Right. 
Now, where should be the worst place? Yeah, in the city. In Queensland. It should be the densest, most populous place, yep. right? Brisbane? You would assume so. You look off my balcony, it's a sea of green, green trees, buildings between, but big trees everywhere. And then the air quality meters all say everything is mint. Are you searching it on yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to find one of those clips. Sorry. Let's, uh, here, let me see if uh, AQI near me. Let's have a look. So the air, and it's got this really scary looking meter from good to extremely poor. Oh, they're all currently unavailable. Ooh. Ooh. They're probably recalibrating them to make them make them bad. Well, there's also something else too on this, which Jared Rennick uh, covered recently, which is the Bureau of Meteorology. And I've just sent you through the clip I was looking for. Um, <clears throat> the Bureau of Meteorology has recently... Oh, we don't need to watch it. We don't need to watch yeah, it. We okay. just find it. But has recently, I think in the last 12 months, changed the location of the sensors they use in the various sites around the state to sense what the temperature is. And they've changed them from, I think it's two metres above the ground, to being much closer to the ground. So obviously, if a heat sensor is closer to the ground, if it's near concrete or some sort of surface which absorbs and radiates heat, it's going to show a higher temperature. Or what about the one that we saw the photo of that had the solar panel angled oh, yeah. to bounce the sun directly, directly at it? it? Yeah, obscene. <laughs> so yeah, it's all bullshit. A- absolutely all bullshit. But, so, what, what's the point of talking about all this stuff? It, again, it's just the same. It is well, the I, same. Had some real practical, I had some real practical stuff about it because I had it. this conversation with a friend of mine. Here's a great tip. Don't buy a fucking electric car, all right? Yep. See, these these BYDs that have now cracked into the top three most sold cars um, in Australia, yep. Chinese shit boxes yep. um, that use some special... Uh, it's some cheaper version of lithium battery. It's got some blade technology, right? They're, they're cheap. 45 grand's the cheapest electric car that you can buy. Yep. They're flooding the market. Right. Flooding the market. Now, all these guys are going to get burnt because I won't ever trade one. Like, no. unless I get it for free... I ain't buying it because yeah. I'm, looking, I'm not going to put a, a battery system in it. Plus, this company might just disappear like what, what right. some of these other Chinese companies have, have done before. So, step one, don't buy an electric car unless you've really done your homework. If you if you were generating too much solar at home, it's parked at home all the time, yep. you only do city, it might work for you. But anyone else, it won't work. Yep. Um, step two, this friend that I spoke to, she pays for carbon credits when she flies. It's a scam. It's that a shit scam. is a scam, right? Um, now, if you want to do real, I, I'm I'm not an anti-environmentalist. I would consider myself an environmentalist. I love watching the birds uh, fly over. I use a keep cup. I recycle cars for a living, yep. right? I keep old cars on the road for for a long, long time. Yep. Um, uh, I, I'm not a hyper con- consumerist. I don't just buy for the sake of buying. I'll, I'll wear a shirt until it's got holes in it. You know, that's a big one. Fashion's one of the biggest waste products yeah. in the world. Yeah, right. So um, there's some, there's some real things that you can do to like protect yourself. And, and don't I don't buy into if someone says like, oh, I'm a carbon neutral this and now fuck you. Like, no, no, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. So do you, do you want to know another know. another scam on that uh, the same vein is. You know when you go to Coles and Woolworths and they've got the self-serve checkouts and it's like, oh, do you want to um, round up your dollar to yeah. the next dollar to give a donation to whatever the charity is? Yeah. Do you know what that actually is? 
No. They use those dollars. Yes, they donate the money to charity, but they donate your money to charity and then they use those charitable donations to, as a tax offset for their tax returns. Oh, sick. So they're literally taking your money and donating it so your money gives them a tax offset. Tops. Like, what a scam. What a what fucking a scam. scam. But, but, you know, all of these things are the same thing. They create a problem out of thin air, then they use that as like the, they instill fear into everyone yep. and then they lean on your good nature to yeah. abuse you to take your money to control your movements control the things you do the the food you buy the way you travel for their benefit what's like, another solution Jason, to protect it. yourself from this future this dystopian future bitcoin bitcoin baby yeah. decentralization yeah because it's not a coincidence that like a globalist organization such as the World Economic Forum is literally trying to do things like... Cent- Actually, that's a very interesting point too. After Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the presidential race, he had a meeting with Donald Trump. And then the next um, speech that Trump gave, he said, if he becomes president, whilst he's president, the America will never bring out a central bank digital currency. Yeah. because it will just be used to control you yeah because the government will know every transaction you make where every cent is made and this is exactly it's already right. there i mean so they, they already have the system to evaluate your 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 carbon score that yeah. already exists now the only thing they can't do is turn your money off but with That's the right. cbdc they can yeah yeah exactly and it's all and it's they won't ever control. put on a blockchain what i found hilarious right we've spoken about it years ago we spoke about this which is if you were truly transparent, you'd put your money on a blockchain like Bitcoin is. Correct. But they can't because they double spend by nature. That's right. It's inbuilt in the system. And if you could see what they're doing with your money, you'd never ever deal with money ever again. Of course. Of course. Now, did we... We didn't play Javier Millet. And I, we can't. I have to go. Okay. I'm just going to just gonna say briefly. The one thing that I um, wanted to add. So our, our boy, Javier Millet... Captain Afuera from Argentina, he did appear at the World Economic Forum. Now, all around Twitter, when they heard that he was going to appear at the World Economic Forum, all the lefties were like, see, he's a piece of shit, just like everyone else. That yeah. you, like, you know, He's not the saviour that you guys think he is. I suggest you go online and look up Javier Malay's speech that he made to the World Economic Forum because he was literally talking about how, as a, essentially, former communist country, that he's, like, they they are qualified to say that all of these collectivist policies do not work and they end in ruin and that capitalism is the way that Argentina is going to get itself out of the hole and it supplies um, prosperous uh, opportunities for everyone and that the Western world is in danger with all of basically the people at the World Economic Forum trying to implement their globalist policies. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful speech and I suggest you all go and look it up. But on that note, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week. Afuera. Afuera.